Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. All right, hey, this is uh, Jizzy Pearl and you are listening to Talking Metal. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website or online portfolio. For a free trial and 10% off, go to squarespace.com and use offer code SLASH. I'll have all this information in today's show notes on TalkingMetal.com. Again, it's offer code SLASH, our favorite guitar player, SLASH, well, one of our favorites, S-L-A-S-H, and the site is squarespace.com. Go check them out, especially if you need a website or even, even if you're just thinking about you know, doing a website, they will hook you up and we will hook you up with the offer code SLASH. All right, it's very easy. I'm going to explain more about what Squarespace is and does during the podcast, so stay tuned for that. And here we go. Let's get into the podcast version of the last episode of Talking Metal Live. You're listening to the Talking Metal Podcast with your host, Mark Striegel, and special guest co-host, Victor M. Ruiz iTunes number one hard rock and metal podcast. I'm Bud Friendly. Now, here are your hosts, Mark and Victor. Welcome, one and all, to another episode of Talking Metal Live. This is Victor Ruiz over here in Spain. And in the frigid northeast, we have Mark Striegel. Yes, hello. It is actually not quite as frigid tonight. It is raining right now. It snowed earlier today. We got like two inches, and now it's raining. So there you go. John is not here. He is currently stuck in traffic in Fort Lee at the George Washington Bridge. Just just kidding. Uh, He actually has a crazy cough. I spoke with him uh, earlier and he was just afraid that he would be coughing nonstop and coughing through our interview that is scheduled for tonight. You never know. This is a live show, so you never know if the interviews are actually going to happen, but we have been told by Mr. Jizzy Pearl that he will be calling in at about 9.30 and we'll hopefully talk to him for 15, 20 minutes or whatever, get caught up with what he is up to, and there's a a lot going on with him. So I look forward to talking with him. Victor, I know you were sick earlier in the week, and I listened to your your alternate podcast, The Incoherent Ramblings of Victor M. Ruiz. Most of us know you through the Mars Attacks podcast, but you do have another podcast, and you were talking a lot about your your health uh, struggles, I guess I'll call them, that you've been having recently. And I know you were sick earlier in the week. Uh, you're feeling good tonight? Yeah, feeling good. And, and I do have to admit that every night that we do these talking metal shows, um, you get, it seems... You get it, sick the next day. No. <laughs> I, quite, I, yeah. yeah, go ahead. I, I, I will, I'll let you finish before I... Quite the opposite. I mean, I look forward to doing the shows, and it's always a lot of fun, and it gets my mind off of things, you know, to sit here and, and chit-chat uh, with you and John. And, um, and yeah, I mean, with everything that's been going on, I wish, you know, I would have been able to put out more podcasts last year, but either through just being sick or or just not having, you know, the drive to do it because of being sick, you know, I didn't put more episodes out. So I do apologize to people that are looking for more 
Mars Attacks episodes. I, I do have a bunch of things lined up, and hopefully, you know, next week I, I plan to release an, an episode. And I mentioned during the, the pre-show there that uh, there will be a new classic albums column that will focus on Black Sabbath's Heaven and Hell, which should be out before the end of the month. So look out for that. And, um, you know, hopefully I can put all this this health BS behind me and just, uh, you know, get back to the uh, same old, same old and put up some cool episodes. Yeah. And I mean, you know, maybe you're not doing as many Mars attacks podcasts, but you are appearing almost weekly with us here on uh, talking metal hosting and, and helping produce the show. So I, I think you're, you're getting your content out there. If, if not with Mars attacks, Definitely with uh, with talking metal on a regular basis, and uh, we're glad to have you on board with us. You did a great job with the pre-show, some some great stuff. You know, it's like a lot of times I like to hear the like super obscure stuff, but but sometimes like I just like kicking back and rocking with some of the the old favorites, and that's kind of what I was getting from you tonight, at least on the twenty minutes of the pre-show I listened to. Well, you know, I tried to do a, a little of everything. Because, you know, I love a lot of, you know, the obscure stuff as well. But sometimes you just want to listen to something familiar and you just want to sit back, disconnect and, as you say, rock out and just go for it, you know. Um, So I think a lot of the tracks that I played, I mean... I don't know what could be considered obscure. Romeo Delight, maybe by Van Halen, or well, maybe to me, the- anything by Van Van Halen, especially off those first, you know, six right. or even even for me, like the first eight records, uh, is not is not anything I consider obscure. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm talking about like you know, I, there was a podcast a, a little while ago where John and I were playing some obscure stuff like Leather Wolf and stuff, you know, which isn't super obscure. I think Leather Wolf were on a major label, but at least they're a little, they were a little off the beaten path, you know? Right. Yeah. But that stuff, I mean, is still pretty cool because I mean, I, I look back at, um, different things that I've listened to, um, over the last year. And, and there are quite a few bands that I got turned on to because of listening to what you and John had put together. Like, uh, uh, there's the one track that you played by the group Satan, which I absolutely loved. And I went and, and got the album and checked it out. And I think it's a, a really cool album. And there are other things like the, uh, like the Iron Man, uh, album, which you were a very yeah. strong proponent of. And, and I think that album is absolutely great. And maybe had you have not, you know, brought it to uh, to my attention and pushed to have that interview with Albert Morris the uh, third. Then maybe I wouldn't have you know found out how great that album was. Donnie G, aka Bill Wang, checking in on Facebook. He says, "I'm starting to dig Victor." So there you go. You have a fan, Victor. Donnie G is starting to dig you. Uh, I'm starting to dig him too, uh, Bill Wang. So uh, yeah, I think Victor's Victor's great. We love Victor, and definitely. You guys should all do yourself a favor and check out MarsAttacksRadio.com and subscribe to the Mars Attacks podcast on iTunes or Stitcher or however you get your your uh, podcasts. We are always – this stream, by the way, that you, you handful of listeners are listening to live tonight is on all the time. You know, it's, it's 24-7. We're always playing music. I, I try to upload a, new tracks every week to keep it fresh. And, you know, we have commercials. They, they actually calculate how many people listen to the commercials, and I get a few cents back uh, on that each time. So it, 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 if you can't make a PayPal donation or you don't want to support our sponsor, which is Square, Squarespace, by the, by the way, this, uh, this episode is sponsored by Squarespace. If you don't want to do any of that stuff, it, the least you can do, man, is just go listen to the stream while you're at work. Tune it on. Turn it on. Check out some good songs and and rock out. All right, yeah. So, Z-Man heard him on the on the pre-show. Good to hear Z-Man's voice again. Old time talking metal head who actually flew across country to check John and I out at our jam that we did at Dingbats with uh, Dan Lorenzo and, and I think he was at the Alan Tecchio. Yeah, well, Alan sang at both shows actually. The he was at the one we had Ron Lipnicki from Overkill on drums. Uh, great guy, Z-Man. Hope you're doing well. And hey, Victor, I got a few uh, emails that I want to get to. Okay. Real quick. This is Mark. Just a quick note. Heard show 
451 this weekend. You asked about show lengths and number of episodes. Personally, I prefer two shows a week, a longer one that is 60 to 90 minutes for the weekend and a shorter one that is 30 minutes to 45 minutes on Tuesday. This gives me a chance to listen on the weekend and during the week. I can stream the shorter one at work. Thanks for all the work that you put into the show last last year. You engineered a Talking Metal resurrection that I didn't really expect after 2012. Please thank John and Victor for their efforts as well. I've been listening since around 2006, and I'm glad you're still making it happen. Best from Eric in D.C. Uh, Eric is a vocal listener. He checks in a lot. Eric, good to hear from you, and thanks for checking in with us. So... Uh, we should quickly cover some Kiss stuff, right? Victor, you want to talk about what, what happened with Paul Stanley's Twitter account? Did, did he uh, answer the infamous question, does uh, Vinnie Vincent have a Twitter account? Or, no, but uh, I do have some Vinnie Vincent news uh, that I will break. Breaking news. Vinnie Vincent news that I will that I will relay to you in a second. But uh, that was Gene. I, I emailed as a joke just to see if he would respond but no he didn't Vinnie Vincent is not on Twitter probably never will be no one knows where Vinnie Vincent is uh, I'll get into that in a minute but but tell us what what happened with Paul Stanley I, I, I guess um, and I found this out because you mentioned it um, I guess he said that Peter and Ace are going to be playing at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame oh I, I thought he said they were not unless they something has happened more recently the, basically the, Last it was either late Friday night or early Saturday. Paul Stanley sent out a tweet saying that it was. He didn't say. I don't think it was an absolute no. Somebody said, "Will you be performing with Ace and Peter and makeup or something?" And I think he said no. And there was another tweet, something about like, "Will you guys be playing with just Ace and Peter?" Um, and he said. Hi, uh, Unlikely, or something like that, which leads yeah, me so to I'm... believe that there is a money issue involved. I, we already went into this argument on my Facebook page, so I don't want to re uh, re get into it here or, or revisit it here. Except I will just issue one quick statement. Everyone's blaming Paul for this. They're like, "What a dick!" Gene said he'd jam with the guys, and you know, Paul's a dick. Paul, Paul's not a dick. Here's what happened. I mean, when Gene said that to Rolling Stone that he was open to a one-night reunion, that believe me, that was cleared with Paul Stanley and management, and judging from Ace's interview on Eddie Trunk, that's what the plan was. However, something changed since, you know, mid-December or whenever that was, and or late December. Something has changed since then, and we can only suspect, I, I believe, you know, after reading Peter's book, that Peter probably said, I will not do it unless you pay me $100,000 or something like that. I mean, that's just, if you've read Peter's book, you know that's just the type of guy he is. Um, so something's changed. And I, I personally don't blame Paul because I, you know, Paul is, is on, is in Kiss. He's on the same team as Gene, even, even if they don't always get along. You know, there's been rumors about that. But I believe that something happened. And in my guess, this is probably a financial thing, or or maybe Peter just said "f you." I don't want to do it, you know. And if that's the case, I, I would really hope that Ace would still show up and do it, because I, I think Ace, you know, seems like he he would do it just for his fans. But what do I know? I don't, you know. Yeah, I, I agree with you one hundred percent. When I was reading what you had posted on Facebook, I mean, I have the same exact opinion. On it after reading the book, I mean, it seems fairly obvious. Uh, at the same time, I think you make a, a valid point. Ace quit the band, or you know, after the farewell tour because of the fans and not wanting to lie to the fans. And I would think that he would also come back and do this for the fans. Yeah, he said he would, and you know, I, I don't know, you know, what the situation is. I just found it odd that we've never heard from Peter during all this. You know. Eddie Trunk would have, you know, would probably, you know, Eddie Trunk reached out to Peter and said, come on the show, you know, come on my radio show and talk about this induction. And as far as I know, he hasn't. And it's, I just find it odd that we've heard nothing from Peter. So enough of that. Let's, let's move on. Here's, here's what happened. 
with Vinnie Vincent. Eddie Trunk has mentioned that he's been trying to get Vinnie Vincent uh, or is interested in, in getting Vinnie Vincent and even went as far as talking about Vinnie's invasion records and they were they were both good records or something. So, pe- you know, people are, are trying to get Eddie Trunk or get Vinnie Vincent. I- I've been trying to get Vinnie Vincent kind of half-heartedly on the podcast for years. Um or I've wanted him, and I even sent an email once to the the email that's attached to the guitar that he was selling a few years ago, and offered him five hundred dollars to come on the show. No response. I was turned on to a guy that John meant. That's a really well connected guy, super well connected, and John was talking to the guy about Vinnie Vincent, and. John, and the guy told him, this is a guy who's involved with KISS conventions. He's also just super connected in the rock world. Like, he knows the whole KISS gang, but he also knows the guys in Marilyn Manson and stuff like that. So they, I, I called this guy. John said, yeah, the guy told him that he has a contact for Vinnie Vincent. So I called the guy, and the guy said, yeah, I got the, the contact. Whoops, my microphone just fell over. I got the contact at the NAM show, which was probably like... 2011 do you remember that or maybe 2010 the yeah 2011 when they were selling the guitars i guess right and vinnie vincent's wife was working the table and i had known one guy who spoke with vinnie vincent's wife there um but this guy who i who i spoke with said you know he he was telling vinnie vincent's wife like oh yeah well you know i can help you know get vinnie going with the the kiss conventions again if he ever wants to do that and she was like, yeah, yeah, I'll give you my number and my email. And at NAM, the guy said to her, where's Vinny? And she said, he's here. He's just sitting back at the hotel watching TV, which is just really weird that he traveled all the way to NAM and he like wouldn't appear at his own booth. But they obviously, you know, those booths aren't cheap. I mean, I'm sure they cost five grand to get a booth at NAM at least. You know, so that that was weird. I think he's got a social phobia or something. But anyways, the guy got Vinnie Vincent's phone number and his wife's email. So I he and he just gave it to me. And I was like, I was like, oh, wow. And he was like, oh, yeah. And by the way, then I then I hooked Vinnie Vincent's wife up with uh, Twiggy Ramirez's uh, number. Because when I met Vinnie Vincent's wife, she said he really wants to work with Marilyn Manson. So this guy who I spoke with, I don't want to reveal his name right now, was the go-between. And this is like recent, you know, within the last two years, Vinnie started getting in contact with Twiggy. And they were actually talking about doing some work together. Uh, and I guess Twiggy was the one who was, you know, Vinnie was hoping would bring him to Manson. I don't know if that ever happened. However, I'm told that that things kind of fell apart and Twiggy eventually decided that this wasn't going to work, working with Vinny, and bailed on the whole thing. Um, I I was told Twiggy was a little creeped out by by (laughs) Vinny. I don't know if I should say that. Maybe I'll edit that out of the podcast. I don't know. But yeah, that's what I'm told. And... (laughs) Uh, that's, that's a story. So, so I emailed, the guy gave me the number and the email. I emailed Vinny's wife a really nice note saying, I wouldn't talk about anything scandalous. This would just simply be an interview about the music. And of course the email bounced back. The email was no good anymore. You know, the email address was dead. So then I didn't want to do it because he told me it was Vinny's home phone number, but I called it. You know, and uh, it was a generic message that, you know, the caller you have reached is currently not available. Please leave a message at the tone. It was like one of those. It was just it wasn't an actual voice. It was like, you know, the automated voice message thing. I left a message saying who I was and I wanted to talk to Vinny. And I mentioned that Tommy Thayer had been on our podcast recently and spoke very highly of Vinny. And please call me back. That was yesterday, and I still have not heard back. And honestly, I don't expect to. However, I do think I will try to call the number again in a week or so. And if nothing happens, I, I may 
do a good deed and turn the number over to Eddie Trunk. Because I do think if Eddie Trunk called Vinny, he actually might be aware of who Eddie is, you know. And, and you know, if I can't get Vinny Vincent on my podcast, you know, I still want to hear from Vinny. So Eddie seems right. like he'd be at least, he, we know Eddie's interested in talking with Vinny. So maybe Eddie would be the guy to entice this guy out of his shell, so to speak. Anyways, the whole thing could be fake. I could have been given a, a completely bogus number. I have no idea if the number I called actually is Vinny's number, but I personally believe it is. I mean, the guy sent me the card that, that she had written her email, and uh, you know he, he took a photo of the card she had written her email and number on and sent it to me. You know, And, and this guy is the real deal. He's like really hooked up with a lot of like rock people. Very, very interesting. The the Manson thing, you know, as you're describing it, I'm getting different thoughts in my head about, um, you know, how he's worked with a bunch of different people, how he's well, obviously worked with John Five, who's an uber-talented guitarist. He's obviously worked with Trent Reznor, who's worked with, again, John Five and Rob Halford and things like that. So, that would have been an interesting uh, sort of pairing, but uh, I, I guess, I don't know. Um, supposedly, um, Jordy or Twiggy, his stage name, uh, he's supposedly been sober since after leaving Nine Inch Nails. So I guess that could sort of <laughs> do with the uh, whole thing that may have gone on there, as, as you sort of alluded to. The, the one story that I heard of Vinny years ago, and I always bring it back to the good old... Uh, Teenac Kiss Expo. Uh, I think this was like back in '96. Okay. And uh, and Vinny was there, and I believe Eddie Trunk mentioned this on air. How um, how I guess Vinny had all these demands, and and among them was that he would be escorted out to the table by four security guards because supposedly he's got this whole like John Lennon like phobia going on that someone's out there to. To shoot him. Um, well, I don't know. I mean, the, the box set scandal and stuff, I guess, would have happened after that, the 90s, yeah. long after that. But, you know, apparently uh, this guy who I was talking with told me that he, uh, you know, has a real phobia now. Maybe he had a phobia to begin with, but it's even amplified because, you know, he feels people are after him because he took their money and they didn't get a product and you know, there's even been questions about this new guitar that he's put out, and I don't know if this is true. Somebody said lawsuits have been filed against him because the new guitar was just crap. I don't know if that's true. Um, I saw, I guess, uh, Chris from Decibel Geek, who actually lives fairly close to Vinny. Um, he was, I'm not sure if he was a webmaster on a Vinny Vincent forum or something like that, and there was a whole big to-do about... Vinny threatening lawsuits unless they turned over the forum to Vinny and they cleaned up all this different stuff on there. And um, and I know that there was recently interaction between Chris and the guy that actually made the guitars. Apparently, they were handmade uh, by some uh, luthier in, in Arizona. And apparently, Vinny pretty much swiped the guitars from this guy. Wow. Uh, and now he's trying to, to put them out, um, changing the headstock or changing the headstock slightly so that, uh, it doesn't, so that the graphics don't look the same and so on and so forth. Uh, I sort of took a quick glance at the conversation. It, it is up there on Facebook somewhere. Okay. So, uh, and this wow. was after Vinny announced the whole, the new, uh, signed t-shirts that he was going to be releasing. Wow. So, I mean, you would think that after after everything that's gone on, that nobody would go in and and want to purchase one of these shirts because of the track record, the box set, the various different you know things that have taken place with him and and not you know fulfilling different things. But um, you know, who knows? They're, I'm sure that they he has so many fans that someone's going to bite. Uh, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. Uh, it's crazy stuff, though. Anyways, we got to get into some music because we've got Jizzy Pearl calling in in a matter of minutes. But I quickly have to mention this. 
This episode is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website or online portfolio. For a free trial and 10% off, go to squarespace.com and use the offer code SLASH, our, one of our favorite guitar players, SLASH. Easy to remember, guys. S-L-A-S-H. Squarespace has over 20 highly customizable templates for you to choose from. It's incredibly easy to use, but if you want some help, Squarespace has an amazing support team that works 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It starts at just $8 a month and includes a free domain name if you sign up for a year. Every design automatically includes a unique mobile experience that matches your style. You know, and it keeps the website consistent and keeps that overall style going for you guys. Oh, boy. I... I tell you, you got to check out Squarespace. It uh, it's the way to support what we're doing here. It's a way to get an awesome, awesome website. They have responsive design. Every Squarespace website has its own unique mobile design, so that your site automatically scales to look beautiful on every device. So this is a problem we've had with Talking Metal, actually, which I know John is working on. It just doesn't certain mobile devices. It's too big. You got to shrink it down. Listen, you wouldn't have that. We wouldn't have that problem if we would have went with Squarespace. So it's a great company. They got some great designs, and it's a great way to support what we do here. Go to squarespace.com. Use the offer code SLASH. Let's get into a little... What do you got there, Victor? I wanted to play the the Will Walner song, but maybe we'll do that later. Well, that's what we have queued up, actually. Well, do you want to do that? And then we'll probably have Jizzy on the line after that. Yeah. Walner Vane, this is, guys. Brand new, never heard before. And we are premiering it here on Talking Metal. It's the former guitar player of White Wizard, Will Walner, and Vivian Vane.
That was a little love-hate with Blackout in the Red Room. Jizzy, thanks so much for joining us on Talking Metal. Hello, guys. That was such a, a great record, Blackout in the Red Room. It came out at such like kind of a, just a crazy time in in music, at least for me personally. I mean, it was, you know, really kind of, in a lot of ways, you guys pushed the boundaries into a new place and, and it was just uh, one of those records that you could listen to all the way through from start to finish. What are your memories of working on that record? Um, well, that was definitely the best record that we did, um, not only because of the songs, but because of what you said before, that it was kind of a, a good journey from beginning to end. And... Um, and it was one of those records that we didn't think about how we were going to make it. Sometimes when you get into the record company, the business aspect of it, you start overanalyzing songs you're writing. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I think this one could be on radio, or I think we need a ballad, or I think we need to stop saying fuck so much, you know? that kind of stuff. Whereas our first record was very genuine and, um, it was the best one I thought. Yeah. And there's a guy named Martin Popoff who you may or may not heard of. I mean, he, he's like the top heavy metal, hard rock kind of music critic. And he put out a list in his book about nineties, hard rock and heavy metal. And he listed the top 100 records from the 90s and and uh you know all falling in that hard rock heavy metal vein you know bands like pantera alice in chains and love hate has in martin popoff's list three albums in the top 20 which i think is just amazing and it says a lot about you guys that you know i feel like the cool kids all knew who love hate was and some of the critics knew who you guys were but you never really broke through to the main mainstream and is that is that uh, upsetting to you looking back um well you are what you are you know we were uh part of that sunset strip bunch that got signed in the big guns and roses wave but we weren't the leather pants tattoos I mean, we, I don't know. It was just, we, we, we weren't, we were there, but we weren't there. And, um, maybe that's one of the reasons why we didn't cross over as much. I really don't know. I mean, I always look at it like what a blessing it was to have had, you know, that career and made that record back then and all those records. So, uh, I don't look at it as any, you know, as having any sort of negativity. And that's an interesting point where, when I first um, saw like the video for Why Do You Think They Call It Dope, the band stood out to me right away, not only because of the image, but because the, the, the music itself sounded so much different to everything else that was coming out at the time. As you just mentioned, the whole L.A. scene and everything. Uh, until I read that you guys were from L.A., you guys were so different that you know I pictured you guys being from a completely different place. No, we were from there. <laughs> <laughs> we were part of that scene. Um, and, you know, and it was a great scene. It, it's hard to describe what the Sunset Strip was. If you were to go there now, it would almost be like a ghost town, like Tombstone, Arizona or something. Back in the day, even before, you know, we ever had a record deal or anything. It was a thriving community. It was live bands played every single night and you'd go out every night, you know, either networking for your band or to go see your friend's band. There'd be thousands of people walking up and down Sunset Boulevard. Um, and it was great. And then the city of West Hollywood clamped down because they just got tired of it. And uh, they sort of sanitized the whole scene. And now a lot of the clubs are closing, you know, along the strip. And it's, it's, uh, it'll never be what it was. So it's, um, it was a great time. 
Well, let's talk about what you're up to now. You have a couple exciting things going on. Let's first talk about the record Crucified. It's an EP. And is is it technically, are you, refer, are you calling it a love-hate record or is it more a Jizzy Pearl solo record? Well, it's a bit of both. <laughs> it's, it is a Jizzy record. It's a Jizzy record now. And, um, and that's, what, that's my story and I'm sticking to it. But at one time you were considering calling it Love Hate and then there was a, well, a change of plans? I've been, I've been doing Love Hate by myself for over a decade. And I say that because I'm the one that basically goes out on the tours and what little touring is done. And um, the other guys, for the most part, have retired and moved on to, you know, what people do, you know, when they have kids and wives and jobs and stuff, they kind of, they kind of leave the gypsy life behind. So basically there was one ex-member that, uh, was a little disgruntled that, uh, there was a love-hate record coming out that he wasn't on. And so, uh, you know, we just, to avoid the confusion, we just made that change. Right on. It's interesting with the first promo that I received of the EP. Uh, it came from someone in the UK and sort of doing research uh, for the interview. It was sort of astonishing to me how much love, uh, pardon the pun, um, that the UK has for you and for your music. Uh, where does the UK itself, what does it hold for you and uh, not only your history, but for, for this EP? Well, you know, it, a lot of bands are popular. Some bands are popular everywhere, and most bands are popular nowhere. So for me to say that I'm popular somewhere is an awesome thing, and the UK has just had a special place for us ever since we first went out there in 1990. And they've stayed loyal, you know, and uh, I try to go out there when I can and, and do little mini tours and stuff. And they've just kind of stayed true to the music. And um, it's an astonishing thing for me after so many years. So, uh, yeah, it's great. And you are now also a member of Quiet Riot. Let's talk a little bit about that. What are the immediate plans as far as working with them goes? Uh, my first gig was on New Year's Eve, and I'm playing next week with Queensryche, and um, we did a record, and that should be out sometime, hopefully in the spring, and we're going to do the uh, the Monsters of Rock cruise, and, um, you know, they work a lot, and I look forward to uh, doing a lot of work in the near future with those guys. How did uh, joining Quiet Ride, did that affect the EP at all? Is that why the album is an EP and isn't a full-length album? Or it just sort of happened that you just had these no, six the, tracks? No, no, no. Uh, the reason I decided on six songs rather than a full record is really the way that the times are with the internet and the downloading and stuff. It's it was just, I figured six was a compromise, you know, when maybe people would go out and buy it, um, based on that, then maybe, you know, do the other thing. And, um, as far as Quiet Riot goes, the record, my, my record was done before those guys, you know, ever came into the picture. So it was just, it's been a very busy few months for me. Basically I finished my record and, I got invited to join Quiet Riot, and then I did their record, and now we're basically, you know, off and running. Did you know Kevin Dubrow personally? Yeah, yeah. I knew him, uh, I don't know, I didn't know him, you know, super well, but I was friends with him, and I toured with him um, a few times. So, you know, you know someone as good as you can know someone in that situation yeah i found it interesting metal sludge posted an old interview with him recently where he actually 
kind of rates all these singers and he says of you, good voice, very intelligent person. Right on both counts. (laughs) (laughs) Now, this Uh, isn't the first time that you've stepped into sort of the hot seat of uh, filling in for someone else, but this is the first time where um, the person that you're stepping into their shoes, per se, they've passed on. How different is this situation to others like L.A. Guns or Rat where you've had to fill other shoes? Um, I don't know. It's, 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 they're all, it's, a, it's, it's hard to do. I mean, the Quiet Riot material is very challenging um, vocally, you know what I mean? So I had to up my game to, uh, to uh, make it sound good. You know, and, and as far as other bands and stuff like that, I don't know. I just, I have a unique voice. I don't really sound like anyone else. I kind of sound like me, which is good and bad. You know what I mean? And so what I do is when I get into a situation with a, especially a famous group, I, I just do the songs justice as best I can, and I do my best you know, to make it sound as good as I can. And, um, you know, the YouTubes, I guess, will bear that out after a while and people will, you know, hopefully dig it. And the new Quiet Riot material that is on the way, can you describe it as far as how it sounds? Is it is it in the classic Quiet Riot style or are you guys going a different direction with it? Um, it sounds... I don't know. It's traditional rock. That's what I'm calling it. It's uh, it's it sounds like traditional rock. It sounds like something you hear on rock radio. It's uh, and it came out really good. And um, yeah, I'm I'm uh, excited to hear it when it comes out. And that's that's supposedly going to be out in the early spring. Or do you, do you have a a um a date when that will be released, or is it still up in the air? I have no idea. I have no idea. That that would be a Frankie question. <laughs> okay. And who actually? It's Frankie and Alex Grassi is on guitar with Quiet Riot now. Right, and Chuck Wright and Chuck on the Wright. bass. Excellent. Cool. Well, it sounds like a great lineup to me, and uh, I look forward to hopefully seeing you guys play live in the New Jersey, New York area at some point soon. Yeah, I'm sure that that's I'm sure that's going to happen. I mean, these guys play all the time, so uh, I'm excited to uh, be working. It'll be fun. Very cool. Getting back to the EP, uh, the title "Crucified." There's a uh, famous or infamous situation of the Hollywood sign uh, with a specific uh, uh, sort of promo that you were trying to pull off there uh does that specific incident have anything to do with the name of the title of the ep or it just sounded like a cool thing to go with well i don't know sometimes things like this are called happy accidents <clears throat> Some, somebody sent me the artwork that's on that cover i don't know a year or two ago had nothing to do with anything. I mean, at that time, I wasn't even thinking about making a record. But I was really struck by the um, the artwork. I really dug it. And then as the song started to take shape, a specific song off that record called Hanging You Out to Dry is basically a, a sort of a story about the whole Hollywood sign, you know, episode. And um, I thought you know, with that in mind to uh, just use that artwork and and call the record, you know, crucified. Cool. Well, Jizzy, thank you so much for joining us on Talking Metal. Good luck to you. Look forward to seeing you with Quiet Riot. All right. right, Bye-bye.
That was Sunny Day by Jizzy Pearl coming off of the Crucified EP. Interesting uh, little tidbit there on why they switched from Love Hate to Jizzy Pearl. I saw an interview somewhere where he basically goes on to say, I guess it's the guitarist that, um, uh, that got all bent out of shape and he says he said something to the extent of well you know that love hate is more or less like a passion project for him and that if he's getting zero money for it that he really can't divvy up you know zero with anyone so i found it interesting definitely definitely i'm finding some comments on the talking metal facebook page interesting right now there's some guy checky shecky s-h-e-c-k-y shecky poon uh, is chiming in with some Vinny stories, actually. He says, uh, we were talking about Vinny Vincent earlier. He says, Vinny didn't come to the NAM, didn't come to NAM, partly because of me. True story. He tried to have a few people blacklisted to no avail, which makes me wonder why, what Checky Poon's whole deal is. And then Checky Poon says, Vinny, Vinny didn't sell those guitars, Hence, no lawsuit from any customers. So that's interesting. That's not what I was told by this quote-unquote insider guy. Um, but uh, maybe Checky Boone knows. So, wow, he didn't sell any of those guitars? That's bizarre. No, like, no. Why? He, he didn't. Uh, apparently, why not? He, I, I don't know. If, uh, what I had sort of read over, he wanted them for <coughs> excuse me, quality control or, or something to that extent. So he held on to them and and supposedly ripped this uh, uh you had the name there Tom something or other he supposed Tom Palaki's yeah the, the same guy on Facebook says yes Vinny still has Tom Palaki's guitars right so apparently the story that I've read is that after Nam he took all the guitars with him to do further testing or quality control or or what have you and and Tom has never seen a cent for them Oh, wow. And then Checky Poon says, Eddie Trunk has already been given the information he needs for Vinny and has made contact. Um, cool. Well, Vinny Vincent, always a mystery. I'd love to speak with him, but if, if he's going to talk with anybody, I'm sure it's probably going to be Eddie Trunk. Wouldn't you think, Victor? I would think so. And I mean, especially with all the stuff that Eddie's had going back and forth with you know, specifically Paul these last few years, uh, you would think that Vinny would want to come on and have someone in his corner because I think um, Eddie would back him up to an extent. So I think Eddie Eddie would be the person. Now, who knows? I mean, I don't, I don't think he's looking for, you know, money, but who knows? You know, maybe, um, maybe he's waiting for that uh, Saturday Night Live check uh, to get the Beatles back together there. He's waiting for someone to offer him, uh, you know, a, a boatload of money to uh, to come on and and spill the beans. But who knows? Or, or maybe in one of the lawsuits, he can't, you know, say certain things as a result of losing something. And maybe that's why he hasn't stepped forward. Who knows? Yeah, I'm sure he's allowed to go on and just talk about his his musical history and and everything he's done. So. Who knows? We'll see if he ends up on the Eddie Trunk show, and maybe I'll try that phone number I have one one last time this coming week. But obviously, he's not going to come on Talking Metal if he has the opportunity to go on Eddie Trunk's show. So uh, I guess we'll we'll wait and see. But I would love to hear from this guy. I'd love to hear his side of of things and and hear what he's up to. And hopefully that'll happen uh, soon. So earlier in the show, we heard the new Vivian Vane and Will Wolner song, Victor, which I, I thought was really strong. I'm looking forward to hearing the whole record. Yeah, sounded, um, I don't know if I want to say stronger than the other material that he's put out. It, I mean, I don't want to put it that way. I just want to say that this sounded really like a cut above of some of the other stuff that I've heard uh, by the group, and I can't wait to hear what the rest of the album will bring us. Definitely. And we will have Will on the podcast next Friday. So we will talk to him, obviously, about the new material he's working on. And, of course, the White Wizard scandal. 
So we'll get, we already had him on like right at, I think it was a few days after White Wizard fell apart, but it'll be good to, I think some things have changed <laughs> since then. Uh, so it'll be good to hear where he stands on all that now. He was pretty PC back then. Uh, yeah. He may not be this time around, and it's not as if we're trying to pull anyone's, you know, uh, trying to get anyone to uh, elicit a certain response or whatever, but... You know, hey, I'm sure he wants to, he wants people to know what has happened since and and what's going on with the new project. I saw online that he moved back to Berlin, so should be interesting. Yeah, we'll have to find out why that happened. And uh, he's such a good guy, and I really look forward to talking to him. And I hope you guys can join us next Friday. Maybe we'll take live calls like you were doing on the pre-show. Maybe we'll do that on next Friday's actual live show that would be fun to get to talk to some of these guys yeah absolutely we'll have to uh limit donnie g there to uh (laughs) yeah to a specific block right on so what do you have queued up to take us out here tonight victor uh we do have a little more love hate we have a track that i've always loved by the band the name of it is spinning wheel while bands were sitting around uh either you know, writing all these copious ballads or um, donning flannel, which the band from the start already had a different look and everything. Uh, It just seemed so cool that they put out an album that was heavier than what they had done in the past. And uh, the name of this track is Spinning Wheel. The name of the track, or excuse me, the name of the album is Let's Rumble. And this is from Love Hate. 